Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. gonna be all sunshine and roses but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride Hey everyone, welcome to episode 91 of Meet Us at Molly's. Tonight we're going to cover episodes 11 so 411, 711, 611 you know the drill. As always, I'm one of your hosts my name is Gina, I'm joined by Bryna Hello everybody you guys, Wednesday night was crazy. Legit crazy. That was a jam-packed three hours. I know. And it was, like, and especially within, within each episode, too, like, especially Med, it was like, oh, my God, so much has happened. And then I, like, looked at the clock and I was like, wait, we still have 30 more minutes of this? Like, what? Yeah. It's crazy. I have that feeling, too. I think during all three shows, I was like, I'm sorry, it's what time? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. There was but, a lot yeah, happening. It was wild. Yeah. Was wild. So we're going to start with the news like we always do. We've only got a little bit tonight, which is good. We have pretty much just episode descriptions and we got promo photos too for these episodes, right? Yes. Yeah, they're not too telling though. But these are all for next week. These are episodes 12. So 412, 712, 612. And so we'll start with med. The episode description for next week's med says... Dr. Halstead rushes to rescue Dr. Manning after she is involved in a medevac helicopter crash. The personal drama between Dr. Rhodes and Dr. Becker boils over. Dr. Charles and Dr. Choi work to help a patient come to terms with their addiction. April helps Elsa deal with the loss of her first patient. You're nodding. (laughs) Well, that promo, like, because obviously now we've seen the promo for all these, so we can see a little bit. Like, compare and contrast, like, the fire one. We'll get to that in a second. But the med one, I mean, it looks intense. That medevac helicopter crash looks intense. And I feel like this is going to make Will, I don't even know. The Will and Natalie stuff is interesting, and we'll get into that in a second. But the, my honestly, my first thought about this was, like, oh, well, that's at least some different work pairings. Like, Dr. Yes. Charles with Choi, April and Elsa. But, I mean, I was yeah. like, at least it's different work pairings in some regards. In some regards, yeah. This is also where the promo photos come into play because, spoiler alert, Natalie's fine, y'all. She's fine. Um, I, I mean, yeah. This is also the the episode where if you saw their behind-the-scenes pictures on, like, their Instagram stories and everything, this is when they were filming in the rock quarry when it was, like, freezing cold and Tori was just kind of, like, freezing her ass off. Yeah, this is that. But, yeah, Natalie's fine. But it's going to be interesting, especially, I mean, you know, this version of Will that we're seeing is not the Will we know. So how is he going to react? Is he going to be worried about Nat or is he just going to be like, whatever, just another day? Well, we think, I mean, we kind of see it from the promo. Like, he definitely is, like, or at least on his face, like, he looks concerned. And he looks like, I mean, obviously, like, he hears about it and he's like, oh, shit, like, I got to go help. Um, So we'll see. I just, like. I don't know what it does because like normally I feel like this is the kind of moment where like if this was an Ethan and April kind of thing it'd be like oh shit like I'm still in love with this person like it's that kind of moment like I feel like that's what this moment would normally normally in television or movies like be set up for is like someone gets hurt it makes the other person realize they still care about them or are in love with them or whatever 
and that's it. But that's not the kind of fight Manstead's having. So, like, I don't really know what it does for them. Right, right. Because, like, it's not, like, the whole, their whole fight is not about the fact that they don't care about each other, because they do. We all know that. They both care about each other. They're just having a fight about other differences. Yeah, and I think Will is probably trying to avoid his feelings right now. Right. So, I don't really know what this does for them and how it pushes their relationship forward, but I guess we will find out. I mean, hopefully it snaps Will out of whatever funk he's in. Not that I'm saying his funk is a bad thing. I mean, he went through a lot of shit, so. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Um, And the personal drama between Rhodes and Becker, we will get into that. Because depending on how that goes, I'm already preparing my rant. It's just not good. Yeah. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. do you want to talk about fire? Yes. So, Fire's description says, When the firehouse is called to a motorcycle crash, Casey and Severide sense that the details don't add up and work to determine exactly what transpired. A rift develops between Mouch and Otis. Brett, Foster, and Kid work to secretly fix a dent in the ambulance bumper they believe they unknowingly caused. And this one, though, I will say, the promo photos and the promo from last night don't match this at all. No, not at all. And one thing I thought when I saw the promo on Wednesday night was, and this is this sounds bad, but I mean, I don't mean this bad, but I was like, oh, okay, this is another filler episode, which isn't a bad thing because sometimes the filler episodes are really good. It's just the promos don't reflect that. Well, it wasn't even that. Like, that wasn't my first thought was like, when I first saw the promo last night, I was like, oh, this is another one where they're tricking us again by focusing so much on one specific call. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. I guess we'll find out what, what it's about when we find out what it's about. But even then, the call that they focus on in this description does not match the call that they focus on in the promo. And right, the right. promo pic- The promo pictures match what they showed on TV in the promo, but that doesn't match the description. So I'm just like, I was like, what the hell? I was like, what? Why? <laughs> like, show us the motorcycle crash at least. Like, I, I don't know why we can't. I don't know. Whatever. I don't work for NBC. I don't know. Right. And that's when you see that's when you see the disconnect between, you know, whoever cuts these promos and the production team on fire, because, you know, they basically send these episodes to NBC and then somebody completely unrelated to the show cuts the promo. Yeah. So the episode could be about one thing, but the editor of the promo could be like, hey, this looks cool. And then cut a promo that's completely not representative of the episode. I Now that you're saying that, like, I mean, I've known that, like, I know that it's not the Dick Wolf team that cuts the promo. It's NBC that cuts the promo. But I'm wondering then, like, A, how promo pictures work, because sometimes they completely relate to the episode and sometimes they don't. And that's not just for this show. That's for, like, all networks. Like, promo photos sometimes match up storylines, and sometimes I'm like, why? It's like they had a photographer there for one scene on one day that literally has nothing to do with anything. And I'm like, oh, but these episodes, like, Especially as you write reviews or something like that and you need pictures, I'm like, shit, I don't want to use these pictures because they don't match up with what I'm talking about, but this is what I got, so, like, whatever. Right. And then, like, who writes episode descriptions? Good question. Like, is that an NBC thing? Or is that a Dick Wolf Fire PD Med thing? I could see that being an NBC thing. 
Well, if it's an NBC thing, then why don't the, like, why does the description, I mean, I guess the description needs to be slightly more accurate to the episode, but then why can't the description match up better with the promo photos that matches up better with the promo video? Okay, I mean, the promos, obviously, the objective there is to suck everyone in to watch. So I get that, that they're like, we're going to highlight this explosion that's actually two seconds of the episode. I guess. I don't know. But, like, the photos and the episode descriptions, yeah, I'm with you. I'm just, now that we're talking about it, I'm just curious. No, I'm curious, too, now, and now I want to know the answer. Yeah. Behind-the-scenes mysteries. Things we will never know. Well, we could know. We just gotta, you know, look in the right places. (laughs) True. But, going on to PD. While chasing a heroin supplier, CPD crosses paths with a convicted criminal recently released on a technicality. Halstead's history with the man threatens the team's ability to put him back in prison. Halstead's history with this guy? What? So is he army? Is he mouse? (laughs) Let's hope not. (laughs) I mean, my first thought is he's army. He's or army tangential i don't know yeah i mean he's probably a veteran because that's typically how it goes when jay's got history with these people or maybe he was a ci i don't know i yeah i don't know and i mean we'll get into the specifics of the pd episode but i know once the episode was over on wednesday night i was like oh we can breathe and then you see the promo and it's like halstead's number one suspect in this murder i was like damn it like Like, leave our precious babies alone yes please amen leave our precious babies alone we better get a break after this i swear to god it's like after fire, you just want to, like, stand in front of your TV and be like, nobody hurt them. Like, but actually, though. Everyone leave them alone. <laughs> Back away from the scene of the crime. Back away. <laughs> yeah. If only we could just bubble wrap every character in the One Chicago universe and be like, no harm for you. No sadness for you. <laughs> no emotional trauma from working with guys from your old neighborhood for you, Will Halstead. Yeah, and except on PD, though, they have to wear, like, five layers of bulletproof vests because bubble wrap will not do anything for the PD people. <laughs> yeah. So. so five bulletproof vests and then bubble wrap. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just be, like, waddling around on the show like the Kool-Aid man, just like, like they can't even move. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, though. I know. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, PD took a turn in this episode, this most recent episode, too. So it's going to be interesting how we proceed for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So those are our episode descriptions. We've got a couple little blurbs here of other interesting bits of news. Um, one of these was a Derek tweet or two. But, Brenna, do you want to take us through these? Yeah, so Derek just had, I think, it was it technically part of his Q&A, or was it just a random Derek tweet? Might have been just a random Derek tweet. Well, anyway, Derek was tweeted behind the scenes so of last week's episode, so 710. Um, basically, Brett's cheer in that episode was originally going to be a Hamilton rap, but it was too expensive. Amazing. So good. I would have died to see that. And, like, of course, Brett is Hamill trash. Of course. Of course she is. Nothing surprises me. 
No, no. But that that's Brett. That screams Brett. I'm trying to imagine, like, and I'm not putting away this fire. Or, I'm trying to imagine what, like, what the rap is. <laughs> so, yeah. Amazing. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. There is that song, Burn. Maybe she made a play on words on that. I would assume so. I love it. So good. I know, but I'm also simultaneously like shaking my fist at Lynn Manuel Miranda. I'm like, I love you, but why is it so expensive? Because <laughs> it's Hamilton. Because it's Hamilton, and Hamilton's the best. Um, fun fact: I walked into Starbucks this morning to get breakfast before work, and they were totally playing Hamilton. Really? Yes. I was like, dude, if I were working here, I would just dance through my shift and get absolutely nothing done. If only they had played Hamilton when you actually did work there. I know. Well, Hamilton wasn't a thing when I actually that, Yeah, there. I know. That's what I mean. If only it was, it was around when you worked there. I know, right? I wouldn't even be calling drinks. I'd be, like, wrapping the cabinet battle. They'd be like, Gina, what's the drink? Hello? <laughs> Just wouldn't be good. But, yeah. Awesome. I love that. Love it. So we've also got just a reminder here for our last bit of news, which isn't really a reminder because this is the first time we're telling you. Yeah, I realized that once I put it in outline that we've never actually said this yet, but whatever, same yeah. thing. So take this more as an announcement and it'll be a reminder at the end of the episode, but next week's episode will not be released until the 28th of January instead of the 25th. So that's going to be not this coming Monday, but the Monday after that. That, yeah, so it's, it's going to be Monday, January 28th instead of Friday, January 25th. The reason for that being is that we both have plans next Thursday night. Mine involved Justin Timberlake, and I could not be more excited. Mine involved the Warriors being in town, so I have a date with the Wizards. Ah, uh, does that mean Steph Curry's coming to town? Is, he is. Are you so proud of me right now for getting that right? I'm very proud of you for getting that right. Can you name anyone else who's on that team? Hold on. Let me Google it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, only just like four other of the best players in the league. But, you know, no big deal. I mean, you asked me who the best players in the NBA are, and obviously I'm going to tell you it's Dirk Nowitzki like four times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't actually I mean, have to look this up. I was, just, I was just messing with you. You don't have to actually look it up. But Well, now I'm curious. Okay. The Warriors are back on track. That doesn't tell me anything. Oh, Kevin Durant, the one who used to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yes, Gina. Yes! <laughs> I'm so proud of you right now. It won't last long, don't worry. Um, yeah, I don't recognize any of these other names. Uh, wasn't Jerebko mentioned on an episode of Fire? Yes, because he used to play with the Jazz. And that's Derek's team. Okay, I'm scrolling here. Yeah, I don't, rec I don't recognize any other names, but cool. Yeah. Cool. So I, I actually said some correct things about the NBA tonight. That's amazing. I'm proud of you. So proud of you. This is a moment in history. I know. I'm glad it's recorded. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll never happen again. Oh! <laughs> you can just play this on loop, just like whenever you need to, like, speak basketball. Just play this on loop over and over again. Um. Hey, hey, Brenda, can you name the UCLA gymnast whose floor routine went viral this past weekend? No, the only UCLA gymnast I can name is Madison Koshin. Koshin? 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 Koshin. Koshin. Yeah. All right. Okay. Just wanted to see if it was reciprocal here. It wasn't. That's okay. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're like whatever whatever <laughs> all right uh. so i think it is time to quit talking sports and get into the episode shall we let's do it all right we're gonna start off with med because of course and let's just start with will and natalie because like let's yeah why not um, I was laughing hysterically in the opening, like, what, minute, two minutes, where Will was just walking around, like, dropping truth bombs everywhere? Yeah. When the guy cut him for coffee, and Natalie was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, he was being a dick. I was like, oh, man, like, this is my inner monologue, like, speaking. Everybody in this episode is saying what I'm thinking all the time. It's just, like, unfiltered Will was, like, a very nice change of pace. It really was. I've started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I'm still in I'm still in season one, but I hit an episode where Boyle was high on pain meds, and so he was just speaking the truth for everything. I don't know who that is. It's, you gotta start watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine once you finish all of the other million shows you have on your list to watch. I don't know if it'll resonate with me, because I'm not really totally into comedies, but I know. I mean, I'm a sucker for cop shows, regardless of genre now. I don't know. <laughs> I used to discriminate, but now I've softened in my old age, and now I laugh at things. Apparently. Apparently. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. So Will was walking around just dropping truth bombs, and it was kind of the best thing ever. There was also that scene where Natalie had mentioned something about kicking him out, and he was like, I know, the gun, the gun, the gun. I was like, oh, man, like, he sounds just like us. This is amazing. (laughs) The gun, the gun, the gun. (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, well. I feel for him, though, because, like, he's been through some shit, but nobody seems to understand. And it seems like Natalie is not trying to understand. I think this is where we're going to disagree. I think I think they're trying to, especially by the end of the episode, I think they're trying to understand. But Will's not, Will's been through some shit and there's no denying it. But there's also no denying that he needs some help and he probably does need that mandatory counseling and, like, he's just not channeling it in the right way. No, he absolutely needs help. Absolutely. 100%. But I feel like Nat's trying to just pass him off on a counselor and not sit him down and be like, listen, we almost got married. Like, I'm your fiancé. Tell me what is going through your head. What are you feeling? Like, talk to me. She's just saying, like, okay, I'm back. I'm just going to be over here doctoring. You just go see the therapist and handle it, okay? See, I didn't feel like that at all. I feel like she was, and again, I don't, I don't usually stick up for Natalie, but I'm going to stick up for Natalie. I think she was trying to get through him, through to him. I mean, and then at some point, like, he's not going to listen to her. Like, at some point, like, if he's, she's going to keep saying, like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And he's still not listening to her. Then, like, she's got to do something else. And obviously she didn't expect it to go all the way back to Goodwin and for Goodwin to punish Will. I mean, although theoretically, I don't think Goodwin took what Dr. Charles said and then was like, oh, we need to punish Will. Like, Goodwin was already going to punish Will regardless of whatever Natalie said to Dr. Charles. But I think she was just genuinely so worried about him that she was like, look, Dr. Charles has dealt with this before. Like, I, I just need some advice. But what, okay, so what are you, what are you considering the punishment though? Pulling him from the case or forcing mandatory counseling? Forcing mandatory counseling on him. I, see, I don't see that as a punishment. I see that as the hospital rallying to help him. I don't think, I don't personally see that as punishment. I think Will sees that as punishment. Like in Will's eyes, that is punishment. Yeah, because he's not in his right mind right now. Right. 
But so no, I think Natalie was trying her. I mean, did everything that she thought she could, and was like at the at some point he's not going to talk to me. So then I have to say something else. Well, and I like that the point that clicked for her is when Dr. Charles was talking about his patient and he was like, well, the first symptom of this is not realizing that anything's wrong. And that's when it kind of clicked for her. I think Will is just probably, I mean, my guess is that he's so traumatized by everything that went down. Because again, he's not his brother. He's Will. He's soft little cinnamon roll Will. I mean, you know, he's not meant for the organized crime life, you know? So I think he's been through so much shit that he's trying to bury it and pretend that nothing's wrong and it's just kind of seeping its way out. Well, and that's also why I think I'm still more on Natalie's side is because finally at the end, like, she finally called him on all the bullshit. He Like, she finally said, like, no, you can't bury this anymore. Like, if you don't want to talk to me about it, that's fine. But, like, you can't also pretend, like, nothing's wrong and that, like, we didn't just go through months and months of you lying to me and then going away for how what he was he was away in phoenix for two months or yeah whatever it was so like she finally caught him out on it and i was like thank god see and when they had that moment at the end i had forgotten about the lies and everything because i was more focused about her i was more focused on her being pissed at him for how he was acting in the present that when she was like you lied to me for months and months i was like oh i forgot about that that happened like and see that's why i that's why i think like Yes, I mean, whatever, but, like, Natalie also has a right to, like, call him out on her, like, on his bullshit, and, like, but also, I I think she's doing more than she, I think maybe she should, and not that she should have, that sounds wrong, but, like, more than I expected her to do. Like, I guess going into these, like, episodes after winter hiatus, or winter break, or whatever we're calling it, I just expected her to be pissy Natalie all the time. And, like, instead, she was right back into Will being, like, Will, like, she wanted to be attended to Will and, like, show him, you know, she's still in love with him and she still cares about him. But then, obviously, Will bought a gun and yada, yada, yada. We all know how it goes. So, like, now she's only finally, like, having enough and being, like, no, this isn't cool. I know you went through some shit and I'm trying to be here for you. But, like, I also went through some shit and, like, you weren't here for me to tell you all about it and, like, yell at you. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't fault her at all for handling this the way she's handling it, but I don't fault him either. I, I, I feel for him. So, I mean, it's just a sucky situation all around. But I, I just, and that moment at the end, I was like, listen, you do need to talk about the fact that he lied to you for months and months, but maybe now is not the time. Because he's not in his right mind. We're, like, this is not the will we know. But I think that's, here. here's my thing, is I think that's part of him working through his stuff, is he has to talk about it all. So, like, he can't get over what happened. He can't work through his shit until he also works through what he put Natalie through, because it's all together. Right. So, like, I don't see it as two separate things. I think it's, like, as Will is dealing with what he went through in Phoenix or whatever he's actually going through whether it's he's more concerned about what happened in phoenix and the isolation or the actual shit that went down in chicago it's all combined into what he didn't tell natalie and why he didn't tell natalie so like he has to work through it all at the same time see and that that's and we rarely disagree either so this is interesting <laughs> i know like i and i'm i just 
I'm of the school of thought where like, you know, he can't fix anything if he himself is broken. So the first thing he needs to do is heal himself and then he can start healing everything he broke. Which I agree with, but I think part of the reason he's broken is because he didn't tell Natalie. In the original, like, in the very beginning, like, he probably could have not been as broken if he did it, if he just manned up in the beginning and told Natalie. I think what I'm going to do from here on out is anytime there's a will scene, I'm going to stand in front of my TV just like I will for PD and be like, you can't touch him. Oh, my (laughs) God. If Nick comes back to Chicago Heroes event in September, that has to be your photo op. Yes. Well, no, we have to do it together and just stand in front of him and be like, we are protecting him. Like, At all costs. Leave him alone. Do not touch the precious baby. Like, <laughs> that is definitely a photo op in the making. It really is. But I, I feel for Will, which is weird because like, I know you were saying that, you know, you don't often stick up for Natalie. I don't also, I, I don't often feel for Will the way I did in this episode. Like, it's, it's, it was interesting. It's an interesting dynamic because especially if we get into the case, I have never stuck up for Will going rogue ever. I'm always like, Will, what the fuck are you doing? Rules are there for a reason. This episode, I was like, Goodwin, what the fuck are you saying? Like, Will is right. Will is speaking the truth. What is wrong with you people? It was weird. I just have so many questions about what is actually, like, actual, actually legal. I was trying to get my words right there. Actually legal. And, like, because obviously I know in this specific instance, there was the contract that they had and I whatever clause they had in there that said, I guess, the parents get, like, the final say in, like, surrogate health or whatever. I don't know. I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. But, like, if there isn't that clause in their contract, like, who does have the right to make that kind of decision? Like, the parents or the surrogate? If there's no clause in the contract, to that matter, as long as the surrogate's not incapacitated, it's going to be her. That's what I figured. But I had a problem with this contract because I couldn't see any court in the country upholding that. I shouldn't say that because in this day and age, who the hell knows anymore, right? But yeah, I don't know. When the lawyer was there and she was like, we would hate to take this to trial. I'm like, you would never win. Wait, why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they win? Like, why wouldn't that be enough? Like, I'm honestly just genuinely curious. I don't know. No, no, I get it. Because that's a ridiculous provision for, it's, it's a ridiculous clause in a contract to have a woman sign over control of her body to other people. I mean, that seems, I, I mean, I, there's, there's terms and there's like, there's a correct like legal way for me to explain this, but like, come on, really? It, other than it's just ridiculous. The, the, the legal buzzword that comes to mind for me is unconscionable, which it very well could be, or very well could be not. I don't know. It, I mean... And it also depends if there's precedent. And now I'm just puking law everywhere. (laughs) No, I was just like, I'm literally just genuinely curious because if to me, I mean, again, I didn't go to law school, so I don't know. But like it just to me, it's like I don't find it that crazy if she like signed the contract and she agreed and she knew what she was signing. Then like I don't to me, I don't understand why that court wouldn't uphold it. But like if you say they wouldn't uphold it, then like they wouldn't uphold it. I don't I believe you, but. Well, if you think about it, it's not something as simple as like, you know, giving money or giving like this cup I'm holding that nobody can see except for me. If I sign a contract that says, I, Brian, I'm going to give you this cup under this circumstance and I don't give you the cup, then yeah, you can sue me for breach of contract. But that kind of situation is just so much different because it's saying, you know, 
I'm consenting to giving up my body for the circumstance. And if the parents decide that I need the surgery, then they like their opinion supersedes everything else. It's just to me, it seems like a ridiculous contract provision that would never be uphold or upheld in a court of law. But I'm also not a contracts lawyer, so I could be entirely wrong. It just seems really ridiculous to me. Right. And I mean, personally, I think it's ridiculous, but I was just curious, like, I, like, as soon as that happened, I was like, but wait, who does, who is actually in the right here? Like, legally, the parents or the surrogate? And especially because it's not something that's wrong with the surrogate. Like, it's wrong with the babies. Like, and that's why they're going to have surgery. So, like, it's not like, oh, the surrogate, something medically is wrong with the surrogate, and then you also have to protect the babies. Like, something is wrong with the babies. You know oh, what I'm here's saying? an interesting thing. What? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I definitely just Googled surrogacy contracts because I was curious. Okay, so. Some states make surrogacy contracts enforceable, while others forbid or even criminalize it. Whoa. Oh, shit. I wonder what Illinois California, is then. Yeah, California has held that surrogate mother contracts are specifically enforceable, at least where both the egg and sperm are donated by individuals other than the surrogate who bears the child. Let's see if I can get a list of states here because then we can see. And I mean. I'm about to Google shows, Illinois yeah. surrogacy contracts. Hold on. And the thing with the Dick Wolf shows that's always great is that, I mean, they go to painful lengths to make sure that the show is accurate. So I'm willing to bet that they enforce surrogacy contracts. But this is crazy. In Kentucky, the birth mother has the right to void the contract if she changes her mind during the pregnancy or immediately after the birth. Oh, shit. Some surrogacy contracts are voidable if they do not conform to state adoption statutes. That's Illinois surrogacy contract understanding surrogate legal process in surrogacy let's see we're learning so much tonight Ooh, a u.s surrogacy map let's see what this does let's see apparently i don't this is from conceivabilities.com i don't know if this is anything actually right but apparently out of the 50 states illinois has become one of the most surrogacy friendly states second only to california Okay. Because of the existing huh. regulation, children from surrogacy have protected rights and the medical procedures involved have higher safety standards. Blah, blah, blah. That's not what I want. This is all about parentage. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Let me see here. Traditional state law information against sperm donation. No, none of this is what I'm looking for. Just the rights of a donor. Over there. No. Traditional surrogacy in Illinois is permitted because no statute or public case law prohibits it. In practice, traditional surrogacy is treated like a step-parent adoption in Illinois. Okay. Consequently, the traditional surrogate cannot relinquish her maternity rights prior to 72 hours after the child's birth. This tells me nothing, but okay. It still seems... The provision of that contract that said that basically the parents can force her to submit to surgery is ridiculous. Yeah. Or it sounds ridiculous to me. Yeah. I like said, I was just genuinely curious, like, where that came from. Uh, I, that whole case just was like, I don't know, kind of jaw dropping for me. But everything Will was saying, I was like, yeah, yes, Will, I agree. <laughs> like, doesn't happen very often. Yeah. No, I, I, agree. I agree. I was like, whoa, Will, I'm actually agreeing with you for once. What? Yeah. And then even in that moment when, I mean, 
the 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 attorney uh joseph joey arthur what's his name i still don't know his name after all this time <laughs> it's really bad i don't know um, i don't know a lawyer guy lawyer guy oh i still don't know his name that's really bad but when he was talking to goodwin and goodwin was like okay well it's a question of law at this point i'm like goodwin come on now but i mean i get it i don't know but i also laughed very hard at the moment when the attorney was like why don't you stay in your lane i'm sorry have you met will oh my god mic drop will doesn't stay in his lane i was like yes but also like after all of this and all of the, like, not that, I mean, I agreed with Will in this moment, but I also, like, on the one hand, I was kind of like, oh, man, someone finally told Will, like, just, like, laid it all on Will. I was, like, also kind of, like, amused in that moment. It's more of a suggestion, really, because if you tell Will to stay in his lane, he's going to take the whole damn highway. Like, between him and Connor, that shit's like the Autobahn. They're just going to be, like, swerving and, like driving as fast as they can and like crisscrossing there's no use in telling them that anybody at chicago med yeah that's true it just no but i got a good laugh out of that i was like that's cute attorney lady that's cute that was funny goodness and yeah so yeah it ended with natalie calling him out and then i mean goodwin had that moment where she was like this is the behavior that almost got you kicked out of residency and yep are you raising your hand no i oh. was snapping <laughs> Because, like, yes, because finally someone admits that, like, he almost got kicked out of residency. As he probably should have, but, you know. There's no discipline at Chicago Med. You know that. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm just glad they finally acknowledged that he probably should have gotten kicked out of residency. I like how Goodwin's like, remember that time I almost disciplined you but then decided not to? <laughs> like, yeah, skipping over the fact that, like, he and Natalie have probably needed to be disciplined, like, ten times in between that. But, you know. They're like a medical version of Bonnie and Clyde at this point. <laughs> yeah, remember that time they pretended a patient to be dead so that she could escape her abusive husband? I do remember that. I do. And yeah. then Goodwin got pissed at them and was like, I could discipline you, but eh, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Just don't do it again. Like, that's some fucked up shit, but just don't do it again. Yeah. Good times. <sighs> good times. Good times, indeed. But I am glad that they decided to make him get mandatory counseling because he wasn't going to get it on his own. And I mean, maybe it'll help him through what he went through. I hope it does. So does this mean the chaplain is Fire's chaplain, right? It does yes. not work for me. Never mind. He won't go to chaplain. Never mind. Because I feel like that was a good crossover moment and like it can't happen because he's the CFD's chaplain. Yeah, I, I hear you. And plus, remember when Jay went to therapy and his therapist was also not the chaplain? Yeah. So maybe the chaplain is just Fire's therapist. Darn. I know. Darn. I know. No, indeed. So anything else about Will and Natalie that we need to talk about? Because that was a rather what the kids call lit nowadays storyline. Brenda's laughing at me <laughs> again. I'm sorry. I can't go on. I could post myself. Elsewhere in the hospital. I'm just going to take that as a no, Gina, we don't have anything else to talk about about Will and Natalie. <laughs> yes, that's what that was. <laughs> Elsewhere in the hospital, April and Ethan, we're doing April and Ethan things. So we started off 
Yeah, these two, man. Ethan and Vicky were out for like their morning stroll or whatever. And they basically came across a homeless veteran and they brought him in. And the homeless veteran, his one of his legs was amputated. But I'm confused because, I mean, yes, the wound was infected, but like it was this recent. It looked recent. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. The medical part of this case, like, I didn't really get, but also not totally important, but yeah. Not entirely, no, because the most important thing here is that, I mean, April is throwing so much shade at Vicky, and it's kind of the best. Although I have to say, I was right there with her, not necessarily in the throwing shade part, but my first thought was when Vicky started to go, like, whatever she was looking at labs or looking at him or whatever, I was like, uh, you don't have privileges here. Like, you can't do that. Yeah, it, I mean, it was interesting. There was that first moment when I think Ethan came out of the exam room and he was talking to April. And, like, whatever, it was a normal Ethan-April conversation. But then Vicky walked out. And I kind of had one of those moments, too, where I was like, uh, Vicky, why are you here? <laughs> I, well, I was just more concerned, not even that she was there. I was just like, you don't have privileges here. Like, you can't legally right. be doing this shit. I know. I laughed so hard, though, when April, like, stopped what she was doing. And she looked at Vicky. She's like, I can't share information with anybody who's not a staff member at the hospital. I was like, ah, this is amazing. But also not <laughs> wrong. But, like, yeah. It was great. Oh, that was so good. And you had that tweet last night where April was like, I'm following the rules. And you were like, sure, April. Sure. <laughs> Nobody follows rules at Chicago Med. Don't be silly. Right. Like, rules? What? There is probably no ethical code at Chicago Med. Ethical code. <laughs> I mean, there are ethics, but they're more like what suggestions. Yeah. We recommend that if a patient says they don't want this med, that you don't give it to them. But like, if you're Natalie and you just happen to turn a blind eye, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. But yeah, um, Ethan and Vicky kind of bonded with this veteran. It was, it was, it was good. It was good. I feel like that's kind of an area that they don't explore enough is when Ethan bonds with veterans and like fellow members of the military. Like it's, I, I don't know. There was that episode in season one where the guy felt like he was going crazy because he, he could like hear his heartbeat or something. And I think the guy was a veteran. I'm fairly certain he was, but they had a really nice moment at the end where Ethan was just like, you know, your heart's like one of your squad mates. Like it has your back. You know, it was one of those, it was a really sweet moment. I'm very rambly tonight. I don't know why. I'm trying to remember that, and I don't, but. It was, like, early season one, but it was a good episode. Gotcha. But, yeah, I do like seeing Toy with veterans, because I think it brings out a different side of him and his character, so it's always nice to see. We've got an AU going in our heads where Ethan goes on the night shift, and the night shift is still going, and everybody's all happy in San Antonio, and. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah thriving god Choi would love that hospital yeah Choi would thrive there he really would he really really would yeah he'd probably make a move on jordan at some point because every male on that show has except for paul and kenny but he doesn't work with jordan like i mean not like i don't see him like meshing well with jordan not like personal not work-wise but just like actual like social life-wise he and TC would be best friends. Yeah, and TC needs a new best friend because Topher. R.I.P. Oh, Topher. Sad face. Yeah. Fictional deaths I will never get over. But actually, though. 
for real. And I'm pretty sure all four seasons of The Night Shift are on Netflix, so like you should yeah, they watch are. it because we're probably never going to stop talking about it. Nope. Nope. No. No. But there was a moment later on, Ethan finally was like, listen, April, like, what's up with your attitude? I've had it. Whatever. And then April kind of admits, and she's like, maybe I could be nicer to her, but it's hard. Seeing you two together is really hard. And then Maggie kind of breaks up the fight right when they're about to get to the good point where one of them is about to be like, I still love you. You got it wrong. So what do I have wrong? The line comes right before the kiss. Like, literally, that's what she says. It's like right as they kiss. So Maggie breaks them up like way before that. Maggie does break them up way before that. I'm getting all jumbled tonight. But I will say in terms of Maggie, at first when Maggie, Maggie has a conversation with Choi before the kiss and Mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, I'm going to put you on April on different shifts because, like, you guys need to get your fucking selves together and you guys can't work together anymore. And I was like, yes, Maggie, you go. Like, because they clearly, like, it's getting to the point where it's just not working well for patients and it's not working well for the ED and they just, they can't work together. And so, right. Matt, thank God Maggie recognized that, but then Choi's like, no. And she's like, it's not your choice. And Choi's like, no. And then that's when he goes and talks to her and she says, like, yeah, like, I guess I could have been nicer to Vicky, but, like, it's hard. And then they kiss. And then they kiss, yes. The kiss was good, though. It was good. It was good. It it actually, like, these last two episodes, I've actually gotten some sex toy feels. Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But at this point, too, I'm just like, you guys can't be together because, like, it doesn't work out ever when you are together but like when you're not together i want you together so like well it doesn't work when they're not together either that's what i'm saying it's like it doesn't work when they're not together but i want them to be together but then when they are together it doesn't work so like i don't know which version of them is better yeah maggie breaking up their fight kind of frustrated me because like they were this close to clearing the air they were so close to one of them being like i still love you damn it and then maggie just rolled up and was like no no well that's why i'm curious to see what this kiss does and like what next happens next week because clearly ethan apparently has all say and gets to you know roll over what maggie says and so i guess they'll be working together and well working on the same shift not together but, like, what actually happens between them and what happens with Vicky? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. And speaking of Vicky, when they kissed, I was like, come on, Vicky. Like, where are you? Come in. Walk in on this now. She showed up, like, a second too late. I was like, seriously? You can't get your timing right? Well, I can't tell if it was one of those things, too, because remember, those windows are all glass. So, like, even if mm-hmm. she's a second too late, like, was she actually just standing there watching and then pretended to be, like, a second too late? Or not. I don't know. Man. Because, like, she could have... My whole thing was I thought she was going to be standing there. Like, April was going to leave. Or April leaves. And then Choi was going to turn around and see Vicky standing there. Like, not that they were going to interrupt. But she was going to be standing there, like, looking through it at, through the window. That's what I thought was going to happen. All of this could be solved if Ethan and April would simply just tell each other how they feel. Right, and, well, first, Ethan break up with Vicky, and then, yeah. That, too. Yeah, that, too. Man. And believe it or not, I mean, Manstead and Sextoy are not even the hottest messes of couples in the ED. Oh, that goes to Connor and Ava, because these two, I can't even. Wrecker is going to wreck themselves. 
So bad. It's so bad. Yeah. So bad. Dysfunctional from the start. Oh, it's so bad. Okay, so, I mean, the whole deal with the case was that they had a woman who was in a car accident. She needed a new liver. Her sister wanted to donate, but then the patient basically told Connor, like, hey, my sister killed my, like, killed my daughter. I'm not, like, no, I would rather die than have her donate her liver. And then Ava was super excited because Ava was like, hey, like, you know, you guys put out the word on social media or whatever. We got an anonymous donor. Problem solved. And then Ethan finds out that the anonymous donor is the sister. You mean Connor. So. so. Did I say Ethan? <laughs> Connor, not Ethan. Connor finds out that the anonymous donor is the sister. So that all leads to the end where basically they talk and the whole point, the whole, like the biggest line of this is when a- Ava looks at him and is like, the ends justify the means. And she walks out and it clicks for Connor. I just, like, I was somewhere between, like, a jaw drop and a face palm at this moment. Yeah. Well, I and, mean. But even before that, too, like, right before she says that, she's talking about, she's like, I'm, she says something about the fact that, like, I'm, like, okay, if you want to, like, tell her the truth, like, whatever, but, like, you're not going to be able to take the heat for this. Like, like, I'll be fine, but, like. And so for me, I also was thinking, too, like, and obviously the, like, parallel thing with going, that's going on with her father, like, yeah, like, I'll be fine, like, you know, if it gets out that I slept with Cornelius, okay, fine, but, like, you're not going to like what it's going to do to you, and you're not going to like what it's going to do to your reputation and what people are going to say, and yada, yada, yada. Oh, that, okay, and I didn't even think about that, like, why would she have lied about that in... 410 but now that makes sense is that you know she's trying to protect what it's going to do to connor well i don't even think that i don't even think that i just think i was just thinking about like a double meaning of like when her whole line right there is a double meaning that's what i think i think she just lied because she wanted to protect herself but now i think she's come to the point where she's like fuck it i don't like this it's not good it's really it's problematic She's the, in my opinion. She's literally the worst. Yeah, and okay, let's touch on this end scene and then just kind of discuss this as a whole. So Connor goes to see Cornelius. Cornelius is in his like study or something looking like Sherlock Holmes or some shit. I don't know. He had like a pipe and a book and I don't know. Just being very extra as we know Cornelius Rhodes to be. The telling remark here is when he basically makes a remark as Connor's coming down the stairs and calls him young Oedipus. Did you get this literary reference, Bryna? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who didn't, and it's okay if you didn't, um, Cornelius is referring to Oedipus Rex, which I read in eighth grade, maybe younger. I don't remember. I read it sometime in, maybe it was high school. I don't know. I read it sometime during like adolescence. And... You can probably sum it up in a more appropriate way than I can because I come from an Italian family where cursing and being inappropriate is kind of normal for us. So maybe you can sum it up in a more appropriate fashion than what I want to. I've never actually read it. We never have had to read it. So I've never actually read it. But I know it's, I mean, Oedipus Rex is basically a character that kills his father and marries his mother. Isn't that it? Yes. 
I'm trying to see if I can find a better synopsis for this. That's I mean that's what I assumed. I mean that's what I've always known about Oedipus Rex. But then again, I've never read it, so like could be wrong. But that was my assumption: is he kills his father. I mean, or not assumption, but that's what I know: is he kills his father and marries his mother. Basically, with this Oedipus reference, Cornelius is implying, like, yes, Ava and I slept together. Yeah. This is problematic to me. I don't like this one bit. No. Because, I mean... Okay. I'm trying to, like, find a good way to talk about this. But it's problematic to me because Ava basically... Like, she kind of sold herself to get money for the ED. Mm-hmm. I said that last week. I mean, this girl, like, I, oh, I just want to yell at her. This is not a good decision. Not just from Ava, but, ugh. I told you they had sex together. I'm I'm really hoping there's going to be some sort of twist where they didn't. Nope. But I mean, nope. nope. If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, you know, it is, it is a, a duck. duck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a problem with this. It, it's not a good look. I mean, if you want to look at this from like a feminist perspective, yeah, she's the one who made these decisions, but it's still not. It's not good that she felt the need to. I mean, she that's that's the easiest way she thought to get the money is to sleep with Cornelius, if that's the case. I mean, maybe I can't like accurately articulate what I'm trying to say, but. Yeah, because I don't even like I mean, obviously, it's feminist. Like she can do whatever she wants. Like, I'm not even thinking about that. I, I just think it's fucked up because. She did it out of love, but, like, no. Just no. Right. Like, yes, you had good intentions, and, like, I get it. Like, you wanted him to stay. Like, I get it. But, like, girl. Uh Uh-uh. I have a problem with the notion that she had sex with her boyfriend's dad to keep her boyfriend in the picture. When he wasn't even her boyfriend at the time. That's even more fucked up. But, I mean, also, if he finds out that Cornelius and Ava slept together, I mean, I'd like to think she's going to lose him. Yep. And I think, here's the other messed up part. I think had she been honest with him, yeah, they probably would have been in a big fight. And maybe he would have never forgiven her. But, like, probably would have gone over a lot better than him, than her lying about it and saying, I don't even remember what she said at the gala. And then that led to Connor punching him. And then... Cornelius being like, oh, yeah, no, we actually did sleep together. I'm just like shaking my head because this is going to end badly. Yeah, I mean, Connor, I mean, this is over, right? They're never, we are never, ever, ever getting back together, right? Like, I mean, I would think in like a normal world that, yeah, they're never, ever, ever getting back together. But, you know, who knows? But like, here's the other thing, too, like, Ava is not a character that really gets emotional that easy. Like, we very rarely ever see her break down. Like, do we think she breaks down? Yes, I could see that once 
you know, once Connor's like, you know, I have the full story now. This is what happened. I could see that. Yeah, I just, like, we never rarely see her, like, cry and, like, break down. So I'm kind of curious to see, like, what her reaction is, like, when Connor finds out and confronts her about it. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I could also see him being, like, you know, you didn't have to go to these lengths just to keep me around. Like, you know, you don't have to do these things to try to, like, impress me or anything. I like you just the way you are. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I know. But I will never be okay with these two, like, ever. No. I was getting okay with them, and then this happened, and I'm like, Ava, essentially... Nope. Yeah. Nope. I was never okay with it. I, I feel like that's too far. Like, too far. Oh, it was way too far. It's awful. I don't know. I mean, because in my head, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, no. None. So we put out the call after the episodes aired on Wednesday and asked, you know, what do you guys want to hear us talk about? And so we did get a couple of responses and uh, we got kind of a list of questions from user Jiffy Pop Culture. And I separated the questions between Med and Fire because those were the bulk of the questions. But we'll just kind of run through these quickly. Okay, so was April shading Vicky or following procedure? I'm going to go with both. Yeah, both. Both. And shading Vicky was glorious. So good. So, so good. Did the results justify Will's disregard for the parents' wishes? Um... I mean, I guess technically, yes, because the babies are okay. But, like, again, it gets into the whole legal thing. Like, what was actually legally okay? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think the results justified it. I think the whole legal question. I mean, like, if, yeah, like, yeah. I Legally, I need to figure out what is actually legal and what is not. And then, like, I feel like I could actually make a decision on whether they justified it, per se. Yeah. So Jiffy Pop Culture also asks, can I want sex toy if it means Choi cheating on Vicky? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. You can absolutely want them. You can do whatever you want. I've also decided now from here on out, every time I see, I want it, like, because I had TweetDeck up when I was, like, I usually use TweetDeck when I'm tweeting. And I, if people don't know, like, we split them. So, like, I usually do med and then half a fire. And then Gina does the latter half a fire and PD. And so on med... I, like, have the, like, hashtag Chicago Med, like, up on what as one of my tabs on TweetDeck. And every time I see someone want to write text in, I literally, last night I started it, and I'm going to keep doing it, just be, like, put, like, asterisk sex toy. Like, just, like, reply to their <laughs> tweets. Like, I don't care how obnoxious it is. Like, I will get this, like, going. <laughs> I mean, it's just so much better of a ship name. It's just a lot funnier. Well, and I did it to somebody last night, and then they responded. They're like, "Haha, oh my god, I forgot about that ship name. You're right, it is so much better." I was like, "Yep, told you." Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Another question: Why is Ava addicted to lying? Because she's crazy. And I, hate, <sighs> I hate using that word. Let me backtrack myself. I. There is probably some, we don't know anything about her backstory, but there is probably something there. 
hold on, I gotta figure out how I wanna word this. I don't think it's necessarily her being addicted to lying. I think she, there's probably something in her backstory that happened to her that from here on out, she wants to sabotage, like, or self-sabotage, like, any chance she has at happiness. Seems like my theory. I don't know if that's actually true. So, Ava is a she-severide. To an extent, yes. (laughs) I think... She's addicted to lying because she loves Connor almost to the point where it's unhealthy. And she's willing to do anything in her power to keep him around. That too. I just like, I don't know. Part of me is like, how is she in love with him? Like, I know how she's in love with him. Because like, obviously I've seen their story unfold. But like, how is she, can she be in love with him? Like. It's the beard. (laughs) It is the beard. But like, God, jeez. Um, also, side note, Connor definitely had, like, a ginormous severide eyes moment during that episode when he was listening to his patient talk about her sister and how she killed her little girl. Like, the light caught him at, like, just the right angle where his eyes were just, like, cram. Like, yeah. It was pretty impressive. I was like, oh, this is a severide eyes moment from somebody who's not severide. Yeah. But it was nice. Um, yeah, last question Will, PTSD or just dickish? I'm going to go with PTSD. PTSD, PTSD for sure. That is not him just being dickish. And I don't know if you would, he might not technically be diagnosed with PTSD, but it is something like along those lines of trauma related. I'm just like, I'm I'm listening to myself say these things and I'm like, when did I become so protective of Will? Yeah. Definitely in the last year, for sure. Yeah. You just want to protect him. Like, he's just, I don't know. Protect Will he's at all Will. costs. I know. You just want to just be there and be like, oh, Will, you're so cute. I don't know. That's you. Not necessarily me. That's definitely you. No, that is me. I'm so, I, I still, I'm bummed for you that you, you didn't get to spend time with Nick at Con because, like, he's great. I know. And he's a goof. He is such a goof. This, hopefully this year. Yeah. yeah. I need it to be September sooner than later. I know. It's crazy. Yes. Yes, yes. I'm thinking back. Okay, so you were saying why is why is Ava in love with Connor? Because they're kind of on each other's level, but I don't know. They're and, just so, and, I mean, and, for me, it's just like they've been so terrible to each other. Like, I don't know how that makes anyone fall in love, but like, okay. Sure. Yeah, I know. But I think, I mean, I think we might have touched on this last week, is that when when Connor's not being an asshole, like, he's a really good dude. Yeah, that's true. But you've got to dig past all of that assholeness to get to the good stuff. He's like a Tootsie Roll pop. Like, you got to get to the center. <laughs> it's been a long week, okay? I'm just going to ramble. I know. Say random shit. Okay. <laughs> Bryna, you're like, okay, Gina, whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, is it time to move into fire? Yeah, let's move into fire. Okay, Bryna, I'm going to let you talk about fire just so I don't say anything else ridiculous. You're not saying anything ridiculous, but I will talk about fire. So let's start with, I guess let's just start with Brett because I think they like opened the episode. So Brett and Casey 
Brett has decided she's going to take Casey up on his house hunting. Casey wants to move out of Severides, and of course, Brett's like all into HGTV. So she's like, "Yeah, I can totally do that. I could be a realtor. Yeah, okay." But of like, of course, Brett would be in HGTV. Like, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's just so funny. I like my favorite part though is she's like, "You're going to need a big backyard. You're going to need hardwood floors. You're going to need whatever bathrooms." I don't. I was like, "Oh my god, you really have watched too much HGTV." <laughs> Oh my god, I can't even. And this is assuming that, like, I guess he's... Has Casey... I, we don't really know, but, like, Casey is decide, or was looking at houses, not apartments? Or both? Or I thought he was looking at apartments, and then Brett just kind of ran with it. I was just like... Because she was like, yeah, we can need a big backyard. I'm like, whoa, Casey's going back to the house life? Like, what? Uh, yeah. Whatever. I don't know. Anyway. But I also love... I mean, in the end, Casey decides to stick around at Sev's because like it's more important to be there for Severide and I was just like oh man like a true bro but actually though um I feel like this episode might be the right time to talk about my little theory that I brought up to you months ago what about you may not remember Brett and Casey maybe I know we definitely were on the same page like one day maybe for sure yeah, so we, or I had a theory when seven, season seven started, or not a theory, just kind of a thought, a thought. So let me take you back to the OC for those of you who watched it. And Brian, I know you did because uh, Rachel and you and I used to text. And especially when you got to uh, that episode when the Ryan's brother gets shot and that Imogen Heap song keeps playing. Oh, yeah. So funny. So I guess this is kind of similar to, like, the Ryan and Marissa versus Ryan and Taylor argument in my head. Versus, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like down the line, Brett and Casey could be a thing. Yeah. You're definitely not the only one. Twitter was a minority on Twitter, but there was definitely a minority that was talking about it, for sure. Down the line. Not immediately, but... You know. Well, it's funny then if you compare it to Ryan Marissa versus Ryan and Taylor, because like it kind of works in my personal shipping. Because like I feel like I would definitely enjoy Brett and Casey a lot more than I enjoyed Casey and Dawson, and I was definitely a Ryan and Taylor person over Ryan and Marissa. Right. So in and this case, Brett would be like reason. Casey's Taylor. And for kind, like I hated Mar. I really did not like Marissa like ever, and I was not ever really the biggest Gabby fan either although more in the beginning I was definitely more of a Gabby fan whereas I was never really a Marissa fan but like eh, it kind of works they have chemistry that's all I'm saying but I thought you hated Ryan and Taylor well only because I love love loved Ryan and Marissa and I'll be honest the later seasons of the OC I didn't watch as closely as the first couple seasons There's I don't like Taylor <laughs> I know. So I only watched like the first two. I don't know. Um, I didn't like Taylor when she came in before Ryan and Taylor were a thing. I didn't like her at that point. But I mean, I, I love my like OG ships. So like Ryan and Marissa, they were like the OG and I loved them. And that episode when they go to TJ and he finds her in the alley, it just kills me. And that stong and yeah. Yeah, I think I, also, later. I see. And I think the thing is I binged it, but and so I don't have the same feelings toward Ryan and Marissa and I was like one of like my number one TV musical moments like of all time is the New Year's episode 
when Ryan walks in because like remember the whole thing is like who you spend New Year's with is who you're going to spend the whole year oh, with yeah, yeah. and Ryan and Marissa are apart and then Ryan runs in and Dice by Finley Quay is playing oh yeah so good that is that that is a good moment it's a really really good moment but yes in this case Brett would become like Casey's version of Taylor but I'd be okay with it I'm, I'm just saying down the line they've got chemistry there's no denying that yeah they definitely play off each other really well Mm-hmm. But just saying, if we're talking about Brett and chemistry with her current beau, Brett and the chaplain. Okay, like I didn't really know how I was originally feeling about this pairing, but like I'm actually kind of into this. Same. They've got a lot of chemistry as well. They're just really cute, which is terrible because like I thought I was always going to be loyal to Brett and Antonio, and I still am. But like this is if we're not going to get that, and I've kind of like for the time being, like I. I know we're not getting it, so, like, I gotta move on temporarily. But, like, I'm into Brett and the Chaplin. Same. And if you really think about it, with Brett and Antonio, they're in two different places right now. Brett is in a period where she's wanting to have fun, and she's happy, and she's just kind of skipping around doing her thing. Antonio has taken a very dark turn. Yeah. No, for sure. They're in very two different places, so, like, it's not gonna work. But, like... I was like, oh, that's my ship for them. Like, I'm never going to ship them with anyone else. Like, that is my ship, whether they're actually being shown on screen or not. But then in this episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, Brett and Casey. Like, I could be really into that. But, like, Brett and the Chaplain, like, oh, boy. So, like, right now I'm, like, yeah. all in the Brett ships. I'm just like, give me all the Brett ships. Like, I'm here for it. Oh, Brett and the Chaplain are super cute. Yeah. Okay, have we decided on a ship name for them? You know, we were throwing a couple – different ones around last night but we couldn't really agree on anything so what's his first I know name again i think it's kyle yes it is in which case i mean the logical answer is kilby like k-y-l-v-i-e oh yeah that's a good one or kyle v that doesn't even flow no kilby um Kil- yeah and he would say Sylvie, so kilby yeah it's kilby sounds like a quentin tarantino movie like I don't know, but I can't remember his last name is the thing. Cret? I don't know. I'm just making shit up now. I know, right? I, like, yeah, I, I want to work Chaplin in there somewhere because, like, I mean, that's how we know him. He's the Chaplin. So, like, I don't know. I was thinking, like, Bretlin. Bretlin the Chaplin. That kind of flows. Bretlin. That's, yeah, that's, we should, we should consult Kara. We should. She'll reply with a gif. I'm going to tweet her right now. I like Bretlin. We should make that happen. I'm going to tweet her right now. But yes. Um, yeah, I feel like they just need like a good solid ship name. Has she tweeted? No, she didn't tweet about it. So we can tweet her about it. Okay. I mean, I feel like we will fail as a fandom if we don't find a ship name for these two. We are recording our podcast about this week's episode right now and discussing the ship names for Brett and the Chaplain. We've temporarily decided on what did we? Oh, Kilby, Brettland, Kil, Brett Lynn, Kil No, we've temporarily we've. Narrowed it down to Kilvy. No, dang it, stop autocorrecting to Sylvie. Kilvy or Brett. Lit. Is Chaplin is 
L-A-I-N? Yeah, C-H-A-P-L-A-I-N. Okay. Then what is your pick for their ship name? Okay, great. At Karakomer. Beautiful. Uh-huh. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully she'll reply. So yeah, well, if Kara responds, you guys will see it on our Twitter. You will. Yes, and, and what she says goes. Yeah. So, yes, very much. So hopefully we have narrowed it down to two good ship names and we will be able to move forward with one soon. Yes. But yeah, again, surprisingly good. And I, okay, I honestly thought though he was going to like propose to her for a second. Like, for a hot second, I was, like, it would not have surprised me if he, like, had gotten down on one knee. That moment where she got him the Stephen King tickets. Yeah. He was, like, marry me. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, is, like, because remember, he went through, like, a life or death experience. I don't remember the exact details, but remember, Foster knew him and he was in the hospital. And so he went through a life or death experience. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's one of those people that's just like, you know, life's too short. Like, I love you. Let's get married. I could see that. So, like, I really thought that's where we were going with this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, glad it didn't happen because, like, we don't need that right now. But I really thought it was going. I wonder if that was their way of telling us, hey, this is going to be serious. Like, this is a big deal, these two. That's what I was thinking I feel like that this whole episode was supposed to be them like Brett is clearly into this guy like it's not gonna just be some like oh we went on a date it was cute like he's gonna be sticking around for a while is what I got out of that yeah so interesting so and it's it's nice to see Sylvie happy yes oh definitely she does I mean she deserves it she she deserves it for sure should we go to the unhappy place of Severide, or should we skip real quick and talk about Foster in her ship thing? Uh, whatever you want. You tell me. Let's just go ahead and talk about Foster, because there's not, like, a ton to talk about. Um, and then we'll, like, leave Severide for kind of the last, because there's a lot to get into with Severide. So, Foster and Shaw, so basically, Foster... They had this patient from the call, from the bus call, and they were taking her in, and Brett, or not Brett, and Foster found her prescription card. She noticed the patient was being over-medicated, so she called out the doctor, blah, 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 ends up being that, she ends up talking to the doctor at the end, and he's like, no, you were right, like, I was, you know, the person who she started seeing, but I wasn't her main doctor, and, like, I would have never done that, whatever. They end up being on the same page at the end. And then the doctor enter asking her out, and she kind of, she says yes, and, like, that's kind of where we leave it. And I guess they were cute? Like, I guess? I feel like him asking her out, I was like, I was not prepared for that. I Like, I kind of felt like once she went into that conversation, like, I feel like I could kind of see where that's where that was going. But I, like... I guess we're seeing him again, question mark? I guess so. But you know what's interesting? Okay, so today when I was rewatching that scene, 
like something I started thinking about, like I have to constantly remind myself that Foster's bisexual because like we haven't really seen like a we haven't really seen a ton of her yet. I mean, she's only been around technically for eleven episodes, but like, like I never like we've only really ever seen her with like guys. I mean, she's I think she's mentioned a lady once maybe. Yeah, just that once. And so, but like I just. I don't know. I was just, it made me start thinking about, do you remember, and I hate to do this, I hate being one of these people, but do you remember the conversation we had back with Nick Wexler, like we were hanging out with him at ATX, and we were talking about revenge, and we were talking about Nolan, and we were talking about how Nick kind of got annoyed with the way they wrote Nolan for a while, because like, he basically only ever hooked up with, like, one guy, and then it was, like, mainly girls for the most part. But they were like, look, he's bisexual. See, he hooked up with a guy. And, like, I don't yeah. know. Like, I kind of feel like, I mean, granted, again, Emily's only been around for 11 episodes. So I'm not calling anyone out yet. But, like, it is something I think about, and it is something I'm going to think about with her. Because, like, Nick has a point. Like, you can't just say someone's bisexual because they hook up with a guy or girl once. And then, like, they just hook up with another, the other gender for the rest of the series or whatever. Like, that's not... I don't know. It gets into some weird things, like, representation-wise. So, something I was just no, thinking you know about I, with this. Yeah, and I'm with you, because I was thinking about that, too, today. I was just like, well, wait a second. Emily's bisexual, so, like, let's see. Right. You know. And, like, they did that. I mean, like, we've been yelling it, or yelling into the air for LGBTQ representation, representation, and we're like, yes, she's bisexual, and then it's like, so far, we haven't seen it. Right. I think I've also just recently been very spoiled with, like, very good bisexual, bisexual representation on Good Trouble on Freeform. And so I'm like, oh, man. Like, this is just not elite. even... Oh, yeah. Elite did it good, too. But, like, Good Trouble is currently on air right now, and I literally just watched it. So I was like... So I'm thinking about it more. Uh, but I'm like, oh, man. I also heard there was... Uh... There, there's a there's some representation going on in the new Roswell reboot. Oh yeah, it's good. They took like, yeah. I mean, I could. I'm about to spoil the new Roswell reboot. So if anyone doesn't want to hear it, just like fast forward a little bit. Um, are you gonna watch it? Because I won't spoil it for you if you're gonna watch it. I might. I'm not in a rush though. So go ahead. So basically, do you? I mean, like I know you didn't watch the OG, but like in the OG, like Michael and Maria are like one of the biggest couples on that show, Michael being... No, I watched the OG. Oh, I thought I you didn't the watch the OG. No, I did. Um, I mean, but I was like first, first, first realizing my love for TV, so I didn't watch it as diligently as I watch things now, but I did watch it. Okay. Well, then Michael and Maria, you know, OG, like, couple. Well, now Michael is not with Maria, and probably I don't know if they'll ever be Michael and Maria, but Michael is gay, and he and Alex are like a thing or kind of a thing gotta be a thing was alex colin hanks colin hanks's character yeah okay yeah cool but it's like it's good it's like real good maybe i will check it out but no it was good you should watch it especially it's just a pilot anyway so i don't even remember but carry on bisexuality that's where we left i was like where did we leave off yes (laughs) Back to, so that was just something, again, that's just something I thought about. I don't, you know, I don't know where this is going. I don't know where, how long Shaw's going to stick around, if he's even going to stick around. But it was just something I did think about, especially because, like, I guess this could be Foster's first relationship of significance. 
And so it's just something that I, like I said, I was thinking about, I will continue to think about. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Now let's talk about Severide and Riley. Because, like, oh my god. I know. Just, like, at first, like, this is, like, the first opening scene of the episode. And I was like, man, this episode's off to a great start. We get Severide and a kid. Like, <laughs> can't start any better than this. All of it was just so cute. And then how he had to put the basket down and stand on top of it because he's too yes. short. And, you know, so cute. I just, like, I can't. And, like, again, we talked about this last, like, I wasn't really sure where this whole storyline was going to go. Didn't think it would be over this soon. But, like, I didn't really know where it was going to go either. So I was just very open to it. And it's just, like, Mm -hmm. they had the cutest little bond. They really did. I think they did a really good job of portraying a well-rounded story in only two episodes. I know. I was impressed. But, like... For my own sake, because I love Severide with kids, like, I want it to be forever. Like, I wanted it to drag on for, like, eight episodes. I know. I know. I just, and, yeah, I mean, Kelly's going to make a really good father one day. I just hope that he gets himself together and actually has that chance. I know. He really is, though. But, so, basically, the father of this kid is, like, I don't know what is actually wrong with him, but he... I guess it could be, like, I mean, he clearly just kind of ignores his kid. But also, I'm assuming there is, like, a little jealousy in there, too. Oh, yeah. So, when he sees Severide with Riley, he basically starts yelling at Severide and it's like, you actually, like, you're doing a shit job. Like, you're done here. Like, you're fired. And so then, ends up, Riley, of course, is not happy because Riley really likes Kelly. And so, but the dad's still not having it. And he even says, he's like, do you think it's okay to speak to my child like that? And we're all like, you mean like a human being? Yeah, they were having a super grown-up conversation in that moment. Like, I don't know. I think uh, Riley was saying something about like, oh, my, you know, my mom died when I was little or something. And then Kelly was just they were having like a pretty grown up intelligent conversation. And Kelly was like, you've been dealt some rough cards like life is hard. I hear you. But and that's when the dad was like, you shouldn't be talking to my child like that. And I'm like, like, like an adult, like like a grown up. Right. Like he shouldn't be respecting him. Because that's okay. what Kelly does. But, you know, OK, yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, but yeah, so that happens. Kelly does leave. Kelly's like, fine. Like, you, like, I'm not going to take your money, but like, whatever. He leaves. They end up getting a fire at the house, and it turns out the garage goes up in flames, and the boat's done, and whatever. And, I mean, nobody was hurt, because Riley's at school, dad wasn't home, but of course then the dad's like, you did this, and starts trying to blame Kelly for Arsa, and I'm just like, dear God. Mm -hmm. Like, no. Yeah, and then when the when the investigators were at 51, like, I was just kind of like, hello, people, obviously it was Riley, like, stop disrespecting the lieutenant, he's got stuff to do. Well, my whole thing, too, is, like, it's not like Kelly wasn't in the fire department, like, in 51. Like, yes, I guess Kelly could, if he was really gunning for revenge, like, he technically could have hired someone to do, you know, like, go through that whole thing, but, like, Kelly was at 51, you're not, like, trying to get a story where... Like, somebody has to corroborate Kelly's alibi because Kelly wasn't at 51. Like, 
there were witnesses. He was at 51. Like, what do you want from him? Like, let's just move on. Yeah. And revenge isn't really Kelly's style. No, not saying that. But, like, it's not, like, one of those moments where, like, Kelly's at Molly's or whatever or at home and, you know, someone has to figure out where he was. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God. But. I know. I felt bad for him. Yeah. My favorite thing, though, you wrote in the outline, though, was that the garage going up in flames was the most accurate representation of Kelly's life. For real, though, it's such a symbolic thing. Like, between this and the Stellaride stuff happening, like, that garage going up in flames was just, like, such a metaphor because everything Kelly touches right now just burns to the ground. Well, I think that's funny that you talk about it being a metaphor. So, eventually, Riley does come, you know, to 51 and confesses to Kelly, and they have this, again, just really nice, this heart-to-heart. And Kelly tells him, you know, all these things, and he, I mean, what his main line was, like, choose to be better for him. Or choose to be better than him. And Derek literally, right before we started recording, so maybe like two hours now at this point, just posted the script page for this scene. And I love that in the margin, so not like in the script itself, but in the margins, Derek had written, Severide's talking about himself as much as he is Riley here. So like the metaphor is, I mean, like what's supposed to be happening with Riley is like, Riley is supposed to be Kelly. And I love that. Isn't that almost exactly what Mama Sev told him, though, after Benny died? Yeah. But, like, he hasn't done it yet. No, because he's He needed to see it himself, and he needed things. to say it himself rather than be told to do it. Yeah. So maybe now that he's, it's actually clicked in him, like, maybe he can start to, like, do it. Hopefully. Hopefully. But, like, God, that hug... Between the two of them, when, like, Riley's just clinging on to him for dear life, like, broke me. I feel like sooner or later, the show's going to need to do, like, a super cut of Kelly with kids. And it's just going to be, like, super filthy moments. Like, it's going to be him, like, holding the baby in season one, helping Nathan in season two. Like, um, what else? What other kid moments? With JJ and the dog in season three or four? I can't remember what season that was. I don't know. Um, With the kid in the crossover. And it's just going to be all moments that are just going to, like, hit us in the fields. Because every time we're just going to be like, oh, 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 that was so sweet. Yeah. But so, kind of, like I said, I mean... Riley was clearly holding on for him for dear life. Like, he didn't want to go back with his dad. I mean, he doesn't really like his dad. But, like, that kind of the hug kind of got me thinking, like, I mean, is that it? Like, I mean, like, are we seeing Riley again? Like, is this actually over? It might be. I mean, it might be the kind of situation where we see Riley for an episode or two down the line. Remember how that happened with sweet little Nathan in season two? Yeah. He came back for, like, an episode or two? Yeah. And and even Bria we saw for an episode after that. Yeah. So maybe. I don't know. I just, I love Kelly so much with kids that I'm just like, ah, that can't be it. Like, no, stop. I know. I know. Like, I kind of want them to start thinking of a way to get Severide a kid. Let him foster a kid, please. I don't think he would ever do that, though, on his own. You don't think so? Kelly? No. See, I think he would. I think if it was the right situation, I think he would. He loves kids so much. I couldn't see that. I don't know. See, and I don't know if he actually proactively loves them so much or just happens to be really good with them. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right, but, like, still... Like, I see my niece, and I freaking love her. And I'm like, 
come to me, play with me. Let me just look at you. You're the cutest thing in the world. Whereas I don't know if Kelly feels that. I think Kelly is more just like, oh, a child. And then he just starts interacting with them and they click. I mean, I think he loves kids. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I still think he would foster a child if it came down to it. And it was the right situation. But He would definitely need a push from like Casey or Cindy Herman or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think it could work, but that's just my dream for him. That's like my AU fanfic rating waiting to happen. No, it's, it, I mean, it's my dream too at this point. I'm just like, just give Severide a kid 2019. <laughs> but actually though. I know. Even just like a random child, just like somebody pulls up to the firehouse and just hands him a random child. And he's like, this is yours now. Okay, cool. Yeah. But so no, I don't know if we'll see it again. That's just kind of like in my head. I'm like, bring it back. Um, but so I guess we'll end our fire talk with we had again some questions from Jiffy Pop Culture. So House Hunters or House Hunters International, which is fancier? It depends, because uh, House Hunters is fancy, but House Hunters International it can get pretty extra when they're trying to move to like. Cancun or like some of these tropical destinations I don't I know I've definitely seen house hunters it's been a very long time I went through it definitely went through a house or an HGTV phase in like high school but I really haven't watched it since then I probably have seen international but like I really don't know if I've seen international so I think one of the most extra house hunters international episodes I can recall was when this couple was in, I want to say St. Thomas. It was like one of the Caribbean, like Virgin Islands off the coast of Florida or south of Florida. And like the houses were like minimum 800,000. They were like a ridiculous amount of money. So it can depend with House Hunters International and House Hunters. Yeah. God, I, I haven't watched HGTV in like a very long time. Oh, but House Hunters is the one where they always have ridiculous jobs and then their budget is like enormous, right? Mm-hmm. I literally can't tell you the there's, last time I watched HGTV. There's a Twitter account where it's like it, it parodies H or House Hunters. And it's like, you know, the husband will be like, I run a startup for like chipmunks. And then the wife is like, I look at butterflies. And it's like, our budget is 4.2 million. It's really one of those ridiculous things where like they have really ridiculous jobs that you don't think would pay much. And then they have an, a budget that's just through the roof. But isn't House Hunters the one where they have, like, the three options? And, like, they look yes. at three options? Okay, that's what I thought. I'm pretty big on Flipper Flop, but, like, Chip and Joanna, how could I not be right? I've never... Not Flipper Flop. Uh, fixer, fixer Upper. I've never seen Fixer Upper, ever. <gasps> you haven't? No. Now you have to come to me before we go to ATX so we can stop in Waco on the way down. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I've never seen it. It was before, it was after my HGTV phase. It didn't happen. Chip and Joanna are gold. My HGTV phase peaked in, like, 2012. So, it was, like, pre. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was really into it. Like, every Saturday morning, I would, like, watch HGTV. And then I went to college, and that didn't happen. So you were into HGTV before it was cool. Yeah. 
Wow, you're like an HGTV hipster. Bathroom Crashers was like my shit. <laughs> Bathroom Crashers? Isn't that what that it sounds is? sounds like a show you'd see on like Funny Isn't that what it is? Bathroom Crashers? It was the bad. Ba- oh, yeah. It was Bathroom Crashers, Yard Crashers. I'm, yeah, that was my shit. <laughs> I love it. Anyway. But yeah. I, I also like the Treehouse Masters. Or maybe, maybe Treehouse Masters isn't. HGTV, but there's a show about tree houses that's also pretty awesome. Treehouse, yeah, Treehouse Masters. Isn't that the one on Animal Planet though? Uh, yeah, that's on Animal Planet. Still, it's still a good show. Never seen it. There's also the one on maybe maybe it's HGTV, but I also want to say it's Animal Planet where they build like really exorbitant like extra pools that are just incredible. Maybe that's HGTV. I have no idea. You lost me. I don't know. Anyway. So <laughs> the other thing. Oh. Is Riley's dad an asshole or a prick? I mean, both. He's an asshole. Oh, both. I mean, yeah, I've never really thought of different definitions for the words, but I mean. Yeah, both. <laughs> um, I'll go with that. And then. I don't really understand this one. Stellaride or Savasi? Why can't, why can't I have both? Both? All day, every day? I mean, unless we're talking about in a romantic sense, then Stellaride, of course. But, like, why can't I have Stellaride romance and Savasi romance? Kelly can have his girlfriend and his best friend. He can have his cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Duh. Um, how much did you die when Severide mentioned Shay? Oh my god, yes. We did get a Shay reference last night. Love a good Shay reference. Yeah. Oh my god. She would get him a coffee mug that's a sexy pants. I know. Oh my god, that was the best part. It was funny. It was one of those moments, though. I wanted to laugh at the joke, but on the inside, I was like, Shay, I miss her. I know. Ugh. Yeah, I died a little bit of that. I appreciate the Shay reference, though. Gone but not forgotten. R.I.P. Shay. I know. I know, I know. I love that you occasionally still see her name on the side of the Ambo. I know. It's a nice reminder. I love it. Ugh. I love it. Um, also, what about the B story with, with Tuesday and Stella? That was cute. I mean, I, I still liked last week's senior storyline a little better but this one was fine i mean tuesday is just quickly becoming my favorite character but also that's because i love dogs so i just want to like stare at her at all times but yeah that was funny and then like tuesday ran into the crowd and all the guys were like tuesday no no yeah it was cute she's so cute but yeah i think that's the fire stuff about i mean the 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 stellaride stuff was just Severide being like this is hard and stella being like "Mm, whatever yeah but then i feel like they're now kind of like on the same page i think they're getting there yeah there was that moment when cruz was trying to get under the bus and he couldn't fit so he grabbed stella and i was like cruz you literally just threw her under the bus like why did you stick her in that situation yeah well the only reason i say i think they're kind of on the same page it's just like they shared that look at molly's at the very end of the episode that like they kind of showed like to me that like they recognize that like they're gonna be in the same spaces but like we don't have to talk to each other and like it's okay like we can't function in the same space and like 
not have it be awkward and just like you know be normal human beings without it being like weird I really hope they don't go Berzik on us and wait like a casual ridiculous amount of years and try to like make us forget about them I hope not yeah I hope not but who knows we'll see Speaking of Berzik, we were hashtag blessed on Wednesday night with the Berziks. Yeah, we were. I was surprised. There was a lot of Berzik, and it was nice. I just feel like, though, it was nice, but, like, keep in mind, I mean, Brett, or not Brett, dear Lord, Burgess's episode is in, like, two or three episodes. Like, it's gonna, like, because they were so close... It almost made, or not close, but you know what I'm saying, like, because they had so many scenes together and it was nice to see them working together, like, I feel like it's almost going to make the big reveal, like, that much harder. And I didn't realize that until today, thinking about the episode, that they're probably just doing this to butter us up. Yeah. Probably. Which sucks. And nothing even substantial happened between them last night. It's just Burgess and Ruzik were paired up a lot. Yeah, and we're like, oh my god. (laughs) They're standing next to each other. It's amazing. Yeah. Which is so sad. But, like... I know. It's not just us, either. Which... No. But let's also call a spade a spade. Now, we've had our conversations about Upzik. And I know that I have said, you know, she's what he needs right now. Burgess has grown up a lot. Maybe they're not right for each other at this moment in time. However, there's more chemistry and, like, a glance between Burzik than I've seen in, like however many episodes of Upzik that we've had. Yeah. You are not wrong. Yeah. I mean, there was that scene when they were like, I don't know, they went to investigate something and they were walking together and just having, like, they were like making small talk. And I was just like, oh, chemistry, my feels, like right in the heart. And they weren't even doing anything substantial. Just, I mean, there's a lot of chemistry between those two. Yeah. It's just like, Again, we know that the big Burgess reveal is coming in, like, a couple episodes. And for me, like you said, it's, like, them buttering it up. And I'm like, oh, man, this is great right now, but it's going to hurt so bad in a couple episodes. I Maybe I am just going to, like, numb myself to it in the next two episodes and be like, no, Gina, this is what they want you to think. Don't do it. And I'll just have Wednesday night as, like, my memories of Burzik forever. Which is sad. It is sad. It is sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing, it's not really even Berzik related, but I loved, one of my favorite moments of this whole episode was at the very end when they bring in, what's that guy's name? Al, whatever. The bad guy. The guy who did, the guy with the dreads. The criminal. Oh, on, was it Andre? Andre, whatever his name was. Something with an A. Um, and, like, Burgess gets the long gun, and I was like, oh, my God, Burgess being all badass with the long gun is just, like, such a mood. Like, yes. So badass. Our little Burgess has grown so much. I just love seeing her with the long gun. I feel like we never get to see it, and it was just, like, a nice change of pace. I was like, yes, Burgess with the long gun. Okay. Yeah, it's a look. Such a look. It's good. Also, um, Burgess's season six hair game is incredible. She's had, like, yeah. So good. So good. So, yes. So, 
The only other bullet point we have in the outline here, it just says, Kevin, like really, really big. I felt so bad for him. I know. I like, well, it's funny because I think I texted you and I said, like, even though we saw it in the promo, like, I still literally, like, screamed and jumped when, like, Kevin got shot, even though I knew it was coming. I flinched. I definitely flinched. I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I just stop shooting our friends. Right. Stop hurting our friends, please. And I was thinking about it, too, because I was like, you know, it, why would he why would he run at the car like that? You know, if they had just done a drive by, he knows that they have a gun. But then, like, I, I saw the scene again and like the car just kind of whips around. And there's nothing they could have done. It was smart. Like, I don't know. It was smart. It wasn't one of those scenes where it was like, OK, they're just, you know, he has to get shot. They need drama. It was like, OK, the car swerved to an angle where then they shot out the window. So, like, you know, Kevin was doing the right thing and. Oh, I felt so bad for him. I feel like, though, they missed another opportunity here. Like, you're telling me, like, they took him to med. You're telling me not one doctor or nurse was available to, like, be in this scene from med that we know and care about. I know. know. Like, none of them. Like, I'm not saying it has to be a doctor. Like, not even Maggie or somebody. Like, come on now. April? Somebody? I know. Goodwin? Like, somebody. I know, and even that moment when they came back from the commercial and everybody was in the waiting room, like, super worried, I was like, oh, this hurts. Like, my poor thing. Like, poor Kevin. Poor thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then when Voight came out, Voight was like, yeah, well, I mean, it was it was a successful surgery. I'm like, Kevin had surgery? I know. Like, I know. Stop hurting our friends. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, once they say his surgery, I'm like, so where's Connor? Like, where's Troy? <laughs> like, come on now. Connor's like, we're going to put him on ECMO. It was like, Connor, he got shot in the shoulder. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Oh, poor Kevin. But really, though, poor Kevin. I know, for real. And and then, like, during the rest of that episode, and again, this is another one of those moments where something bad happens to a member of intelligence, and all of a sudden, I don't care about the case. I don't care about it. And so, like, they went back to the case and trying to find who shot him. And I'm like, no, go back to med. Who was at med with him? I need to know this. Yeah. Well, then it turns out Platt was at med with him, which was nice. Yeah. She was funny, too, when she walked in and she was like, you're already out of bed. I was expecting more drama, like at least a handhold or something. It's, yeah. It's like flashback to when Burgess was in here. Like, be like Burgess. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so funny. So, I mean, with the case. The case just blew up and went crazy, but we also got an email from Haley on the topic with Kevin, and I like the point she brought up. I thought this was pretty good. So she basically, she emailed and she said, I was thinking back to something Bryna said in an earlier episode. It was episode definitely you. PD it was definitely a- not me. I did not say that, but it's okay. Oh, okay. Well, I said it. Apparently. You said it, but PD has a theme with its finales where in an odd season, someone dies and an even season, someone leaves. I mean, it's true. You know, Uh, so Haley's question, she said, what do you think of the possibility of Kevin being the person to leave? Which is, I mean, the question is kind of shocking, but then her reasoning is pretty good. So her reasoning says he's always been one to fight for the community first, but maybe he sees there's really no changing it. And she says, he sees how being in the unit is starting to change everyone, and he maybe he wants out before it happens to him. I like her reasoning, but I don't think that's Kevin's nature. I agree. I feel like, and I feel like based on storylines, like, I feel like if anyone was to leave, 
die. You could almost argue that, like, maybe Voight was going to leave or Antonio. I don't want Burgess to leave, but, like, maybe even Burgess. Just because, like, we haven't really seen a lot of them. Like, we've definitely seen more of Kevin than anybody. Or not anybody. Obviously, that goes to Ruzik and Upton this season. But, like, we see more of Atwater than we do those three. And especially this season. So, like, I would argue that if someone was going to leave, it'd probably be one of them. Because, like, that's kind of what happened with Al, right? It was, like, Al slowly and slowly started getting less and less more. And then it picked up again, and we're like, oh, shit, this can't be good. And then Al died. Yeah, and the only other thing, too, is that, I mean, if you think about it, yes, in even seasons, usually somebody leaves. However, in seasons two and four, it was Aaron both times. We don't have Aaron anymore. So maybe we're going to break the pattern this year. Well, really, and technically, in season two, I mean, granted, it wasn't a finale, but, like, at the end of season two, rest in peace, Nadia also died. So two is an outlier, technically. Two's an outlier. But that was, like, the middle end. It was, like, two episodes before the finale. Was it? Oh, maybe it was. Yeah. It's, like, two. It was a long it's not ago. that much more before the finale. So. But, yeah. So wait, season two blessed the, or cursed us with both. Not blessed us. Cursed us with both. Or maybe you could argue that somebody dies in every finale because in season four was when a bunny killed that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is concerning that somebody dies every year. But no, I don't see Kevin leaving. I think, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, he could probably be discouraged by, you know, the community and everything like that. But I think he became a cop to change it, not to give up. On it, I think know? these could possibly be storylines for him, but I don't see them being a storyline that pushes him out. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I could see the one, you know, like, him being ready to fight for the community, but, like, no changing it. Like, I could be that see that being a storyline for him, but, like, not something that pushes him to leave. Right. Also, LaRoyce did, an, not an Instagram Live, but he did Chicago PD's Instagram story, I think, on Wednesday. Uh, he did? Uh, and the questions were... Yeah, it was either it was either Wednesday or it was today. I think it was Wednesday. I definitely missed but that. But the questions were really good. Like they were the kind of in-depth questions of like that we like. Why does Kevin do this? Why does Kevin do that? And one of them was, uh, you know, how does Atwater handle Ruzik wanting to take the fall? And his answers were really good and like in depth. It was good. I liked his answer, especially when somebody asked him like, "When is Kevin gonna have a true love?" And Larice was like, "Who's to say he didn't already?" I mean, the love he felt for that girl was pretty real. It's a good point, but we still need... It was good. Hashtag give out what our love interest 2019. Oh, I know. And I was also texting you earlier this week. The actress who played Layla in that episode, she was on FBI this past week, and she went down for a crime then, too. Can, can, yeah. I, I just need her to play characters that stick around. I mean, who's to say she yes. won't pop up in Law & Order next? I know, but can she not get arrested this time? Can she just, like, be awesome? She started out awesome on both shows, but, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, and her character's name was Gina on FBI as well, so cool name. Just saying. Anyway. But, yeah, so I don't see Kevin quitting. No. Case-wise, this was a an interesting one. This was a good one. I really like this case. I'll be honest, and I was telling you this before we started recording, Definitely kind of fell asleep, not because I was bored, but because 
it airs at 10 o'clock here and I was tired. Um, and so I definitely like closed my eyes in a commercial break and like, I don't even know, like woke up five minutes later, woke up like a minute later. I don't know. I was definitely disoriented and like I caught the major bullet points of the story and like I saw the major scenes, but like some of the case stuff, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to like really go back and watch this episode. So like, yeah, like I was very confused. Like, who was the Griffith guy? Griffin, Griffith. Who was the what? Griff, who, Griffin, Griffith. He was a gang member. Yeah, definitely missed that part. Who, I think, I think he had Kelton, and then it turned out that he also had Brennan in his pocket. So. Yeah, no, he does, and he had um, whatever that other guy that died at the very beginning. Devonte. No, the white guy. Oh, oh, the DA. Um, I don't remember. His yeah, name, but yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, so they were all in his pocket. And so, I don't know, the, the twist came towards the end when Voight realized that Brennan was part of this as well. Yep. Um, you get a corrupt politician and you get a corrupt politician. Everyone, everyone a corrupt gets a corrupt politician. politician. <laughs> it's like Oprah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was something. But I thought the whole thing that was interesting, I mean, like, I love that conversation between Brennan and Voight, though. Was because, I mean, she said, she's like, you want to lecture me about crossing a line? Like, this is our line of business. Like, sometimes we do things we aren't proud of. Like, you bet you should know that better than anyone. Yeah. And the the, the Voight, the whole Voight situation, dynamic, whatever, it baffles me, like, daily. I'm just like, how does Voight get away with everything that he does? And I... Al was willing to die for him, and now Ruzik is too. Like, what? Well, now, though, I think it's interesting, too, because, I mean, Voight clearly was, I mean, because Jay was with him when he found out about Brennan, and Jay was like, I don't really know how to handle this, and Voight's like, you're not. I'm going to do it. So Voight's clearly going to put his neck on the line for everyone else. But then it went right back to Jay putting his line on neck, or neck out for Voight, because Voight was going to go tell off Kelton, and Jay shows up and Voight's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Jay's like, yeah, no, you're not going to do this. And he says, he was like, we're playing the long game here. Like, this is Chicago. I loved that so much. I know. Same. Loved it. was it. so good. It was so good. But yeah, I mean, and I liked when, when Jay rolled up and Voight was like, get away from me. And Voight was like, they may as well have shot Kevin themselves. Yeah, because they might as well have. Yeah. And, like, I understand. I mean, the unit's a family and everything, but I just... Voight does bad things. Yeah. But there are... I can't reconcile it. But it's, you know, like, he does bad things to everyone else, but then, like, in these moments, like, he's doing good things for... or trying to do good things for the team. Like, he's trying to help Adam and keep Adam out and, like, trying to help save Antonio, but, like, Adam kind of fucked it all over, so, like, who knows what's gonna happen, but, like... Yeah, and he never goes after good people. I mean, he only does this shady shit to, you know... People who deserve it. Yeah, like criminals, really bad people. I just... Al's loyalty got him killed, and it's like, was... Adam really thinks his life is worth that? Apparently. I, I think till this day, like to this day, it still baffles me. And I mean, all of the answers Patty's given about that make perfect sense. And I'm like, that's beautiful. That's completely something Adam would do. That's what he thinks. But 
when I think about it on my own, I'm like, none of this makes sense. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I don't know. Um, Antonio's back. That's good. Yeah. I still feel like I need to see a little more. Like, I want to see... I was hoping we'd see the scene of, like, Antonio confronting Ruzik for, like, what Ruzik's doing. But I guess Antonio doesn't know. No, Antonio... I think Antonio knows because he, he mentioned to Voight briefly. He was like, Ruzik oh, yeah, he go does. down for this. He and does, but, like... Voight was like... He yeah. does. But, like, I need Antonio to confront Ruzik about it. We might get that. I don't know why. I just need that. No, I mean, I need it, too. I need Antonio to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. I hope Ruzik's not the cliffhanger, like the season finale cliffhanger. Okay, we're way too early to discuss that. No, no, no. We're not going there yet. We're not even halfway through the season, so you are correct. Yeah, we're technically, like... We're, like, right on it. No, we are. We just... No. No, this was it. This was the halfway. 22 is... Okay, we're halfway. 22... Yeah, halfway. Okay. Maybe it is too early. But, yeah, Antonio's back. Burgess is partner goals. You know, she's super worried about him. She took the pills. Like, good for her. I still find this to be a one-sided partnership, though. I need to see... This be a two-way street at some point. Yeah, I need Antonio to, like... I need more follow-up on the Antonio stuff. Have a feeling we're not going to get it for a while, but, like, I need it sooner. I need to see Antonio be there for Kim. Like, show me that... Show me that Kim is not pulling all the weight in this partnership. Right, like, show us that you're healthy and that you're back and good to go and that you can be a good partner. Yes. Okay, thanks. Yes. Yeah, I think this was a really strong episode. And then the really awkward smile that uh, Kelton and Brennan gave Voight and Jay at the end, like, that was super awkward. They just smiled and, like, walked off. Yeah. Also, a lot of people were saying, what show is he from again? Scrubs. Yeah, no. Don't. It's pretty funny. funny. Yeah. That's what I thought, but I could remember. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, that's not where I recognized him from. I recognized him from something completely different. What else was he in? (laughs) So cheesy. From Did you ever see the Are We Done Yet? Are We There Yet? movies? Like, with Ice Cube? Like, back in the mid-2000s? He's in one of those. That's what I recognized him from. He's in the second one. Nice. Those are just, like, cheesy, terrible movies, but that's what I recognized him from. I feel like that's the only thing I've ever seen him in, but... (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty strong episode. Yeah, it was good. The parts that I honestly was awake for. But honestly, like, great episode. How about we never shoot Kevin ever again? Thanks, Yeah, can we not try or accuse Jay of murder next week? Okay, thanks, bye. Yeah, that would be nice, too. Please. I was really looking forward to, like, once the episode was over, I was like, oh, good, I can breathe. And then they showed the promo, and I was like, damn it, not for another week. But actually, though. I know. Hmm. Anything else to add in about PD? No, I think that's it. All right. So, you guys know where to find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Our inbox is a safe space. Seriously, anytime. Anytime. It's meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I'm at Bryna K13. 
If you like the show, which we really hope you do, and we presume you do because you've made it to the end of this nearly two-hour episode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes if you don't mind. We would appreciate that so much. And otherwise, we will see you guys not next week, but the week after. Bye. Bye. Bye.